Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. This has been a great weekend so far. As if you couldn't tell from some of the recaps, our uh, Restore Marriage on Friday was totally phenomenal. And if by chance you didn't get an opportunity to come, uh, I just want to tell you today before we get into this message that's on relationships in a general sense, not just marriage, but I believe God is doing something in our church supernaturally, spiritually, in marriages. And I believe that God is about to do something special in anybody today that is willing to reach out and take what he is doing in a restorative sense. So if you're here and you're married today, maybe you weren't able to come uh, on, on Friday night to, to our conference. But if that's you and you're married, just lift your hand if you want God to get you in on what he is doing here in this church, the, the restoring process. I see hands all over them. I'm going to agree with you right now. Every hand that is raised, I'm going to agree right now that something supernatural is about to happen. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, every hand that is raised, people that are watching online that are raising their hands, I pray right now, God, that you would do what only you can do. Father, you can restore broken things. You can untangle things that are impossible. Lord, things that seem unforgivable, you can forgive. Hopeless situations you can bring overwhelming hope to. I speak right now over the marriages in our church and relationships in our church that they would be restored right now greater than they ever were in the first place, God. And I pray that what has happened on Friday, would there'd be a continuation that causes a revival in Central Florida. Lord, we pray that when people see our marriages, that they would see God in our relationships more than just that we figured out something, but God, you figured out how to get a hold of people and to use them for your purpose and your glory. So I thank you for what you're doing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a great praise today. Amen. All right, so... Uh, so in this series, you know, we're getting to choose some of our, our favorite movies. And, and one of the reasons I love this movie, When Harry Met Sally, it's definitely not a movie for everyone. By the way, I don't always suggest that everyone go watch the movies that we're talking about in our series. Sometimes we'll just use movies to make a bigger point. But one of the things I think is interesting about this movie is it, it deals with a lot of the, the, the difficult aspects of, of guys and girls in relationships and some of the preconceived ideas. The way the movie starts is right after they graduate college, they're going from Chicago to New York on this cross-country trip. They don't even know each other. Their friends have said, oh, well, Harry's going to New York. Oh, well, I don't know Harry. Well, Sally, you could ride with him. And Harry's, you rides with Sally. They're just a couple of kids. And in this cross-country trip, they talk about all kinds of differing views on relationships. And he basically tells her that guys and girls can never be friends because the guy always wants to hook up with the girl. The guy, the guy always falls in love with her and wants to be with her. And she's like, that's absolutely not true. And so over their relationship, they go through these periods where he wants to be with her, she won't be with him, and they end up just as friends. They end up getting with different people, even married to different people. And the one constant in their life is they always come back to each other as friends. That's the irony of it. And later on in the movie, when they finally do kind of hook up uh, in, in a, in, in a, based on an emotional crisis, it, it really puts their friendship in jeopardy. It messes up their friendship. And I think what, where this movie ends up landing, uh, in addition to being very funny, uh, where it ends up landing is that they discover that their relationship is really what they've built it to be. It's not something that they accidentally fell into. It's something that they built. And I actually think that's not a terrible message. I think that when you believe that relationships are something that you just discover or fall into, you might have an improper view about what relationships really are. 
Relationships are not discovered, they're built. And that's what we're gonna talk about today uh, in, in our Blockbuster Summer uh, message on When Harry Met Sally. So Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray in Jesus' name today that you would just speak life on this message and encourage every person that's listening, people that are watching online. Lord, I do take a, another moment here today to ask for the miraculous to take place. Holy Spirit, do miracles in people's bodies right now. Lord, if there's cancer, disease, sickness, Lord, brokenness, addictions that are going on, people that are watching online in this room, Holy Spirit, move right now. By faith, Lord, we just give you the room to move in our life, to do a miracle. We don't even have to have a point of contact right now physically. Right now, you can cause a disease to disappear. Right now, you can cause addiction to be broken. Right now, you can fill someone with confidence and strength and purpose. Do it right now. We believe in the powerful name of Jesus. You gave us the authority to use your name, Jesus, and we step out in that authority right now. Now and ask for miracles today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So what I said there is, is pretty important. Um, we use the term falling in love a lot. And, and people kind of believe that the way life works is that you're just going through life and then all of a sudden you just run into somebody and it's just a completely helpless situation. You just fall in love. Uh, and, and I think the problem with that mentality is if you believe Love is something that you fall into. I can't remember the last time I fell and it was a pleasant situation. Uh, it seems like every time I'm falling, you know, I, I'm having to like repent after I, after I fell for what I, the, the word that went through my head or something. It's like it, it challenges your faith when you're, when you're falling. It's a scary uh, situation. So I think even that term is a little messed up. And, and I think that it, it, it creates an internal belief system that if I fell into it, then I can fall out of it. See, but when you think about relationships more in the sense of, of, of a building situation, that relationships are something, yes, you can discover a, a person that has the kind of potential. And, and remember, this is not just on marriage today. I'm wanting to talk about relationships, meaningful relationships in general. But let's get something out of the way. There are friends that God calls into our lives for us to show godly kindness and friendship to, as in the kind of friendships that we develop with neighbors, maybe people that we don't have anything in common with spiritually. So we can build friendships that are godly friendships where we demonstrate the love of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we have to go to all these people's events and parties and participate in the things that they participate in. I think we're called to be a neighbor and a friend in the sense that, yes, we need to be kind to people no matter what they believe or what their lifestyle is. We don't need to be judgmental against them. We need to show the love and the kindness and value them as, as a human being the way Jesus, when he was with the woman at the well, he didn't start judging her instantly. He started talking with her and building relationship. He knew everything she was going through. And when she started getting defensive is when he got very spiritual and, and prophetic with her and said, look, you got five husbands. The one you have is not your own. So I think there is a level that we have to understand a friendship that we are supposed to be a good friend to anyone that we're around regularly. So look at someone next to, to you and say, you look like a great person to build a friendship with. I'll apologize if that came across as creepy before we move on because uh, so, so I, think, I think the idea is we want to be the kind of person that other people look at and say, man, they, they look like they could be a great friend. I think that that level of friendship needs to come across from us no matter who we are. Okay, but then I think there's another level 
And I think that when you're building friendships with people, uh, you need some commonality. And I'm going to talk about a few things uh, that qualify people uh, to be in a level of friendship where you move beyond the neighbor level and you're moving into a relationship where you've got a relationship with people. I want to have vibrant relationships in my life with great friends that I have built something into where I can share the joys of what building a relationship is actually like. I've got the ultimate friendship and relationship in my wife because I'm married to my wife. And the Bible says that marriage is something that God created. It's not a man-made institution. We can't redefine what it is. As a matter of fact, he performed the first wedding in Genesis chapter 2 when it says that he put man into a deep sleep. Isn't that interesting? He didn't use laughing gas. It was like the first surgery. He put him into a deep sleep, and it says that he took out one of his ribs, that he created Eve, and after that's over with, it says this is why the two will be made one flesh, and the man will leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one. Literally, he performed the first wedding and the first marriage God did when he instituted marriage. And when Jesus responded to the Pharisees when they came and they said, is it lawful to be divorced for any reason? He said, haven't you read, haven't you read in the scriptures where he made them, the, when he created them, he created them male and female and he joined them together and made them one flesh. And for that reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to, a man will be joined to his wife. So we know that marriage is the highest level according to God. It's something invented by God, defined by God. So we know that marriage is the highest level of relationships, but there is a commonality to any relationship that you build toward godliness, I think marriage is the highest, but then there's other levels of friendship that we're going to have to have some kind of standard if we're going to build toward a godly relationship. So today I want to talk about some of those standards. And I think too, you know, if you believe you can fall in love, you believe you can, then you can believe you can fall out of love. I think that is a big cop-out a lot of times. You ever heard that before where people in a relationship, they say, well, I just fell out of love with you. Uh, it just sounds, it sounds it's so dismissive, and it just sounds like I had nothing to do with it. It's like I woke up one day, and I didn't love you. No, you probably woke up one day, and you wanted to date your coworker. And now you're trying to come up with an excuse, and you're just not very creative. Uh, the, the truth of it is, is if you believe that love can be built, then you also should believe that love can be torn down. And we tear down love by refusing to do the things that build it. And ignoring the things that build love and build proper relationships. So today, I want to give you a couple of things. And by the way, I'm not making excuses. I'm a grown-up, and I'm, I do this on a regular basis. But today, I was reviewing my notes and had all of my notes sitting on my computer. I, my computer has never done this in my life. And I'm talking like, like an hour and a half ago. I'm touching up on the last things. And my entire... Uh, my entire word, it crashed completely. And so all of my, everything that I studied for all week just disappeared an hour ago. So I'm like remembering all this stuff from, so I don't have the, I had some really good stuff. I still got some good stuff, but this is, most of this is from memory here today. So I'm going to give you a couple of things that, uh, that I think are really, really important. If we're ever going to build a God, now let me just tell you this right now. You don't need to be building relationships with just anybody. You don't need to be dating just anybody. 
you certainly don't need to be marrying just anybody. Okay, that, that, that's the highest level. But let me talk about, for just a second, some of the things that qualify someone for building a relationship with. Uh, the first thing seems pretty elementary, but it's actually not. You would be so surprised. The conversations I get into and, and my wife gets into with people that say, I just don't know what to do you know, with my, my husband. He's not a believer. And, and it's like, it, it's a tough situation because I do believe that, that biblically, if someone is married to someone that is unsaved, uh, God can bless their relationship. And I believe, you know, I, I heard one of my pastors in Dallas when I was 19, uh, his name is Mike Hayes, he's great. He's, he's, he was quote, I, I think he was quoting Calvin, John Calvin. He said, in a marriage with, with a believer and an unbeliever, he said, the piety of the one has more effect in saving the marriage than the impiety of the other in polluting it. And I thought that was pretty powerful. Uh, I had to go look up piety when I was 19. But uh, the, the, the bottom line is if one person is saved, that person's righteousness through Christ has more effect in saving the marriage than the unrighteousness of the other in polluting it. So stick with your spouse. I, I'm not saying today don't stick with your spouse. What I'm saying is don't ever marry someone or ever get into a relationship with someone that does not share your faith because you are in for a long, difficult road. Okay, that has to be the primary, the first thing that is on your list. And I, I don't even, I, I thought about using this analogy, and I didn't want it to come across the wrong way. But I guess if I'm going shopping for a car, look, look, I'm not saying that a wife is a car or a husband is a car. I'm not even saying a friend is a car. But let's just say that if we are looking for something, whether it's a computer or a house or whatever, whatever you're looking for, when you start considering the various different options that you have, what causes you to choose that particular thing ultimately has to be, what is my long-term goal? What is my long-term goal? Am I looking for a car that my long-term goal is to get me around town as cheap as possible? I'm not, I don't have a, a big budget right now, so I'm just looking for something that's going to get me around town to and from work. I'm not pulling up in valets all the time. I'm trying to squeeze in those little compact car spaces. Don't you wish you could just cram your big car in there sometimes when you see those compact car spaces? Those little compact car spaces, I want something that's practical. Well, that's going to kind of show you what you have to choose from. You don't need a gigantic you know, Ford F-150 if that is your goal. That's going to burn a lot of gas. But if your goal is to haul around a bunch of stuff, around town and you got to have your, your engines have to be strong enough to pull boats and to pull trailers you're looking for something completely different so my question to you today is what is your goal in your relationships what are you trying to accomplish are you do you want something that makes you feel good right now do you want something that just gives you that quick rush what is your goal in a relationship with someone that you're dating or potentially wanting to marry? Are you trying to find the hottest person in town that everyone comments on your Instagram, how good looking your spouse is? And oh, you guys are so cute. And you guys, what is your goal? You've got these things that are floating around somewhere down in there that you value in relationships. What are you looking for? I would say that if you don't know that, you're probably going to fail. But if, if primarily your main goal is to give God glory in everything you do in your life, then what I'm talking about right now should be the entryway into building relationships. And that first entryway has to be a shared faith. It has to be a shared faith. Now, I'm not, remember, I didn't say you have to have a shared faith to build common friendships with people that you work with. You don't. 
I'm talking about people that you are investing your life in. You have to have a shared faith. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't become partners with those who reject God. I don't know how it could be more clear. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Is Luke Skywalker... Friends with Emperor Palpatine, no. It's not possible. Does Christ go strolling with the devil? No. Does Austin Powers go to lunch with Dr. Evil? No. Do trust and mistrust hold hands? By the way, if you're recording this or watching this, I'm completely kidding. That's not in the Bible. Uh, who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what we are each of us a temple in whom God lives? Can you imagine me putting a, 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 a statue of Buddha right here? Would that be appropriate? Why? Because the Bible tells me don't worship a false image. Do not make a, a carved God or any kind of image that you can put in front of you and don't worship it. it it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's God's moral law and it does not change. It would be inappropriate in this temple of the Lord for me to put something that does not glorify and, and reflect God. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am a temple. <laughs> say, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Whoever you allow in your life is someone that you are partnering with. You are partnering with a spirit. You are allowing that spirit to connect with your spirit. So, so for teenagers in high school that you're looking on, on who that you should be friends with, let me tell you something. It is better to be alone or to have very few friends than to build relationships with the wrong friends. It's okay. I think that's why it's really important. I think that's why church is a very important place. Because one of the things that you, it possibly does is kind of narrow it down a little bit to some people that share at least your general belief system. So you have to have a shared faith. But I'm going to actually go beyond that a little bit. And, and this is, you know, some people might not like this. But when the Bible says don't be, so, so one of the phrases that's used there in the original is don't be unequally yoked together. You remember that phrase, yoke? So you think about, uh, you know, a couple of beasts of burden that have a yoke that, are, that yoke them, they link them together. Well, if you've got a short one and a tall one or, or a weak one and a strong one, that strong one is going to be pulling the weak one all over the place and you're not going to get the synergy that you can get out of both of them when both of them are equal. You know that scripture that says iron sharpens iron? So you can actually be unequally yoked together with someone that believes the same as you. Meaning that Let's say you're both Christians and you both believe in God, but one doesn't really care about prayer, is not interested, and in, doesn't believe that healing is really that active in the life of a believer. Well, what's going to happen if you get sick and you need prayer from someone? You're not going to be able to get prayer from your own spouse. So you need to make sure not only, and you're saying, well, I'm never going to get married. Well, like I said about friendship, it, it would be a lot better to stay single and wait for the person that shares these values with you than to get yourself into a disastrous situation where you're going to end up having to... Come on, is anyone alive today? <laughs> Proverbs 27, 17. Uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So I think that shared faith has to be the, the primary thing that we look at when building relationships. The second thing is humility. Uh, you know... 
the Bible says in relationships with each other, in Philippians it says, in relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So look at the person next to you, say, think like Jesus. Put your hand on your heart, say, I need to think like Jesus. It says in your relationships, this, this is for relationships. So it says, think like Jesus. Then it tells you how he thought. It goes on, it says, he was just like God. And he's basically, it says in, in verse 6, it said he was equal with God. But he didn't look at that equality with God as something to be used to his advantage. It says instead, he became a servant. It means he could have stayed up here. But instead, he came down here and humbled himself in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, in verse 8, by becoming obedient to the to death, even a death on the cross. So, so what it's saying is in relationships, think like Jesus. How did he think? He humbled himself. If you're ever going to be successful in, in a relationship, you have to be humble and you have to build relationships with other people that are humble. And what is humility? It's not thinking uh, of yourself, you know, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, saying, oh, I'm, I'm a terrible person. No, it's just not being so self-absorbed, so self-centered. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, it's not all about me. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's not all about you. Oh, that felt good. That felt so good. I didn't get to do I'm preaching. I didn't get to say that to anyone. Oh, man, what a bummer. It's true, though. Humility it has to be a cornerstone of, of powerful relationships. Because let me just tell you something right now. You're going to be wrong. You're going to fail. That's the hard thing about knowing that you're going to get into a relationship with someone is you're actually going to hurt that other person. It's inevitable. We're people. We're human beings. So when you fail and when you hurt that other person and when you say something that's not right or you give bad information or whatever, you're going to have to be like Jesus. You're going to have to humble yourself and get in that situation where you're willing to go from here to here. And in, in the case of flawed humans, he wasn't flawed. But in our case, what that means is, look, I'm sorry. I made a mistake there. Bad information. Or I, just, or I just thought it was this and it wasn't. Or I did this and I shouldn't have. That needs to be a hallmark and a quality that you search for in people that you're building relationships with. You have to have humility. Can I get an amen from somebody? The only thing worse than marrying an imperfect person is marrying an imperfect person who thinks they are perfect. And, and, every, and every time, if, if every time you confront someone, they get offended. Every time. It doesn't matter if they're clearly wrong, they get offended. That's a problem. The Bible says that whoever God loves, he chastises and corrects. How in the world are you going to build strong relationships with someone if you can't approach them and tell them that something is going on that needs to be addressed? Humility, humility, true biblical humility. And here, let, me tell, let me show you what's not humble. This is, this is the ultimate example of pride. Is when you confront someone and they go, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. I, no, I'm not good for this. I'm not good for relationships. I do this to all my relationships. I hurt everyone. I'm a terrible husband. Oh, come on. That is not humility. That is the opposite. That's making it all about you. Instead of taking accountability, you're, you're not a terrible human. You're just a human. 
you're like the rest of us, and we make mistakes, and we fail. And if we're ever going to be good in relationships, we have to learn how to raise our hand, to take accountability, to take responsibility in the name of Jesus, and to say, I blew it right there. I missed it right there, but I want to do better. I want to do right. A humble person lives with biblical conviction of, of their own sin nature. That's really important. You, you may be a person who, in a religious sense or even in practice, maybe you're mature enough as a Christian where you've learned how to avoid the obvious sins in such a way that if someone were to observe you, they would say, man, they're perfect. They got it figured out. Number one, you're not perfect. You can't figure it all out. You can live a righteous and holy life with God, but you've got something going on that's not right somewhere that has to be repented of every day, or you're better than Paul, and you're not. And so that's really, that's really important. It's really important to know that you may have all these things figured out on the outside, but you have to learn how to present yourself in a way where you understand that you need grace in your own life. You have to make sure in your relationship, because if you ever present a holier-than-thou attitude, you're not going to be the kind of person others can build uh, relationships with. So when you're looking for people to build relationships with, make sure they have these qualities, that they have uh, true humility, that they live with a sense of biblical conviction. I said biblical conviction. That they live out the gospel, that we're helpless to save or even change ourselves. And it's Jesus and Jesus alone that empowers us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Someone that's open to receiving Correction and eager to take action when faults are pointed out. Somebody who lives authentically, that's, that's true humility. Someone concerned with growing in righteousness rather than just appearing righteous. Don't, don't build relationships with people that just want to appear righteous, but build relationships with people that actually want to be righteous. They want to do righteousness. What is righteousness? Doing what's right. Someone who aspires to excel in serving. If, if, man, be careful. You know, the litmus test, if you ever want a litmus test, uh, you know, for something, just a real quick one, just to find out, just ask somebody to do something for you. Hey, would you mind doing this? Would you mind doing that? Just to see, just to see where they are. You just let them know, hey, would you, would you mind, would you mind, uh, you know, running down to uh, downtown Disney for me real quick and bringing me back one of those donuts? Ooh, I like that one right there. That's a good one. You can tell a lot about somebody. You can tell, no, I've never done that before. But I'm saying you can say something, just a little thing, and, and just find out what they're like. How do you respond when someone asks you to do something simple? Hey, can you grab me a drink real quick? <laughs> yeah, anything else I can get you while I'm in there? We, we can get in that mode sometimes, but just, just make sure there's some humility there. There's some servant-likeness there. And, okay, so these, these are qualities that we're looking for. Remember, there are also qualities we want to demonstrate as well. Here's another one. Somebody that knows how to forgive. You know, I, I don't know how to be more clear than this. Sometimes we act like forgiveness is this gift that we choose to give. Uh, forgiveness is actually a gift that we have already received. It's something that Jesus has given us already, and he gave it to us. It didn't come from us. It came from him. And he has given it to us as a tool to keep our channel of forgiveness open with him. The moment that you shut down forgiveness horizontally with people is the moment that you have shut down your own forgiveness vertically with God. 
That's why the Bible tells us very clearly, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You want to shut yourself off from God? Choose to shut yourself off from people. Don't forgive people. That's, that is a surefire way to break your relationship with God down. You have to forgive and let go of anything that has done, been done toward you. Now, forgiveness does not always mean the removal of consequence. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it does mean the removal of consequence. It depends on how much mercy and grace wants to be shown in that. But forgiveness does mean letting it go and not holding it over someone's head. That's really important. So I'm just telling you, if you're here today and, and you're with someone that, that is cheating on you and you're dating someone that is cheating on you, you need to forgive them immediately. But you also need to break up with them immediately. Because I'm telling you right now, if they're cheating right now while you're dating, wait until you get married. So, so forgiveness, forgiveness means letting it go. Immediately, you let it go and you, you get right with God. God, I forgive him. I let it go. I'm not going to hold it over my head. But that doesn't mean I have to put up with this same kind of behavior over and over again. We have to know how to stand up for ourselves. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, I'm, I'm just not going to put up with that. There's just no way as a friend I'm going to put up with this kind of thing. Someone mistreating me like that. If you've got friends that are standing you up on a regular basis, meet me for dinner at 7 o'clock and they show up at 7.30. And, and, you know, okay, that's fine. That's okay. I mean, that, that's kind of showing me something about our values. You don't really respect my time as much as you respect your time. If I'm there a half hour late and then you just show up, oh, sorry, uh, you know, sorry. And you just, okay, well, that's okay. Uh, I think I, if that happens again and again and again and someone is regularly doing these things, I think you're seeing a difference in values. Is that true? So you can forgive somebody, but these things should be indicators and signs of whether you should keep building into a long-term relationship on a friend level, on a dating level, and certainly if you're building toward a marriage level. You're like, man, I didn't know Pastor Jeff was so cold. Well, I mean, it's, it's not really about being cold. It's, it's about breaking ridiculous, unhealthy patterns. And, and it's about recognizing unhealthy patterns and dealing with them appropriately before it gets to the point of disaster where you're sitting there in a marriage with kids and a family and now you're about to get divorced and everyone's life is about to fall apart and it could have been prevented. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, I, I think also they know how to forgive. I think another thing is they understand healthy conflict resolution. Okay, if you're going to build relationships with people, they have to understand healthy conflict resolution. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Proverbs 15.1 says, this is on social media too. Uh, it's, it's Proverbs 15.1 says, a social, uh, a social media, a soft answer, <laughs> a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, Matthew 18.15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Is that on the screen? Let's read that together. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you My gosh, what is so complicated about that? That is the Bible. I mean, I literally see people deal with family issues online. What am I supposed to do? She won't talk with me. And it's like, what? Are you kidding me? It says this right here. I mean, this, and, and sometimes people claim to be Christians. This says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. 
We have to learn healthy conflict resolution. Can I tell you one thing that's important about conflict resolution? Is learning how to not always take it to the nuclear phase. You don't have, married people, you don't have to use the word divorce just because you forgot to put gas in your spouse's tank when they find out. You don't have to start throwing around threats about everything. We can have a, oh, I do hate that though. That is really bad. Is it, is it, is it the gas thing bad uh, when, when the people bring the, the car home? I do, I do that to my wife with her truck sometimes and that's pretty bad. I, I'm, I'm asking for forgiveness publicly in front of everyone. Uh, no, no, no she, she's never threatened divorce over the gas thing. I'm, I don't read into that too much. But I'm saying that every argument doesn't have to go nuclear. Every argument with your friend doesn't have to go nuclear. If it's going nuclear, you might not understand healthy conflict resolution. You not, might not be prepared for the fact that you're going to disagree a lot. But if you start yelling and screaming and banging on things... Uh, when, when there's a disagreement, you've got a problem. And let me just go ahead, too. And I, I don't care if you like it or not. If you're dating someone that bangs on their steering wheel or gets violent or pushes you around or yells at you, break up with them. Uh, find somebody else. Don't, don't ever be with somebody that's violent. Uh, if, if someone has ever been physically abusive to you or verbally abusive, you get out of the situation. Uh, you, you, the Bible does not tell you you have to put up with that kind of stuff. Uh, that is not the qualities that you look for in someone that is a godly person. We see right here, it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, let all that be put away from you. How are you supposed to build intimacy with someone that you're afraid is going to hurt you? It doesn't make sense. This is, this is for men and women, no matter who you are. I mean, people, people in general can be explosive and violent and not understand healthy conflict resolution. Uh, don't, you know, it's like people that, isn't it strange that sometimes people get mad at things and they punch a hole in their own wall? Have you ever noticed that before? You're going over to someone's house and they have a hole in their wall? You know what I mean? It's like, we know what that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you tried to put a picture over it, but it fell and I just saw a hole that's this big. It's your hand. You punched your wall and you hurt your hand too. Uh, you hurt your hand. It doesn't really solve anything. It doesn't work. It brings vi a violent spirit into your house. It brings a violent spirit into your relationship. And if you're friends with someone that is acting violently or whatever, I would definitely confront that in a godly way and just say, look, I, I cannot continue building a relationship with someone that threatens me and, and, and goes to that place. That is not healthy. You have to have some self-care in Jesus' name. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and also... Be careful that you're not building a relationship with someone that has to be right all the time. Uh, make sure that you don't have to be right all the time as well. But when you're, when you're choosing people, be, be around people that, that can say, okay, I missed it. I was wrong. It's really important. Uh, be careful that you're not uh, building relationships with people that over-criticize, that get contemptuous. Uh, you, you, you can see contempt is the, is the eye-rolling thing. Uh, be careful that you don't do that to others. And th those are some warning signs. Uh, a, a lot of relationships, ec relationship experts will call these things like the four horsemen. Uh, criticism, contempt, stonewalling uh, is, is another indicator. A lot of people, psychologists, some psychologists can observe with almost 95% accuracy just watching a couple in a room for 10 minutes. They can tell with almost 90% accuracy whether they're going to stay married or not by observing the things that I'm talking about right now, criticism, contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness. 
if they see those qualities in people, they can say that the relationship's going nowhere. So make sure that you're not building relationships with people that demonstrate. Can I just tell you something? Whose idea is it that I, I don't like something this person said, now I'm not gonna talk to them? That's the, that doesn't solve anything, does it? It's like, because what it turns into is, okay, I didn't talk to him for two hours, now I'm not gonna do it for two days. And now two or three days into it, it's like, who's gonna break first? Really? I mean, you're, you're actually punishing yourself too. You're punishing your spouse, but you're punishing yourself because you see something that's funny and you go, oh, look. I forgot I can't talk to them right now. It's like none of us are really that good at it anyway, so why not just quit it? Understands healthy conflict resolution. Someone that communicates. That's someone that builds intimacy through sharing, listening, understanding, talking through issues. Just hear each other. Um, if someone doesn't like to talk, refuses to talk, or resents your desire to talk, then your intimacy is gonna hit a wall, whether it's a friendship or a dating relationship or a marriage. And the last two I would say is uh, someone that prays. That is so important. Friends, pray with your friends. Friends, pray with your friends. Pray over your meal. Uh, that's a very simple way to keep your commonality in Christ. You say, what do you mean? Like at Chili's? Yeah, anywhere you eat. If you're about to eat some food together, bow your head for a moment and say, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to sit with my friend here. Would you bless this food? Would you bless our friendship? Help him what he's going through. Help me what I'm going through in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes I start praying for stuff. I forget to pray for the food. <laughs> so I have to say, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. That's a corny preacher joke. But anyways, let's move forward. Uh, but pray with your spouse too. Friend, your teenagers, you're going, just over food? No. If you're talking to your friend before you, on, on the phone before you go, you can just say to your friend, I do this with my friends all the time. Hey man, great talking to you. Let's pray real quick. Can I pray with you? Father, I thank you for my, my buddy here. Thank you for our lives. You just you make prayer a part of your important relationships and it'll just be part of the fabric of who you are. Then finally, make sure if you're building a relationship with someone that you're building a relationship with someone who has good relationships who knows how to have friends and keep friends. If you're building a relationship with someone who lives in a cave and has no friendships, that's, that's, a, that's a signal right there. Uh, that's, that's a problem. If they don't like people at all, that's a problem. Uh, build friendships and relationships with people who already know how to have friendships and have demonstrated that they are a good friend. Has this been encouraging to anyone today? I hope this is good information for you. Uh, I tried to really make it Biblical, everything tie in scripturally um, and make it practical too. And I guess the main point I want you to leave here with today is that great marriages are not discovered, they're built. Great relationships are not discovered, they're built. And you know what that means? It means that if you're in a poor relationship or maybe you're in a bad marriage, you're not gonna fall into a greater one. Start from where you are, start from the ground floor. Let's get rid of the things that don't work and let's build our lives toward meaningful relationships in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'd just like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. If you're here today, maybe you don't know Jesus or you're watching online, you don't know the Lord. I just wanna encourage you today. And I think sometimes, you know, when it comes to church, if you are watching online or maybe if you're here today that you're not comfortable with church, you've never been to church too much, I know that 
even me as a preacher, sometimes I can come across like, what is, why is he talking like that? He's saying all these things I've never heard before. I get that. I, I don't really want to do that too much, to be honest with you. I want to be as real as possible because the real truth is that all of us in this world are just these broken people that God loved and he died for. And he loves you so much right where you are. He loves you so much. You don't have to fix anything for him to love you more. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you struggle with, he loves you. And that's why the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. That's the mandate for us. If we want to know that love, is just, we gotta believe. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So really the, the thing that could be separating you right now from knowing that love is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing with your heart that God raised him from, dead, from the dead and then stepping into the life that he's called you to live. So I invite you to that life right now, no matter who's listening right now, if that's you and you say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I wanna confess with my mouth. I wanna believe in my heart and I want my life to change from this day forward. If that's you all over the room and watching online, lift your hand right now. Come on, right now, all over. Hands going up everywhere, all over this room. If you're online, would you lift your hand, type that, click that button that says, I'm lifting my hand, or type in the chat, I'm raising my hand, I need Jesus. Hands all over this room, it's so powerful. We're gonna pray a prayer together right now. We're gonna confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Would you repeat this after me out loud? Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me and rose again. I believe I have resurrection power in me. And you didn't leave me alone. You gave me the person of the Holy Spirit to live in me, to guide me, to direct me, to comfort me, to be my counselor. Help me walk out a life that pleases you, Lord, in everything I do, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a great... This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.